Alright, welcome to the Goosebumps Podcast. We're back for another one. Yes. Another yes. episode. Another episode. Another book. Another episode. Of this podcast. Another day. Another yes. pod. Yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Alright, a little bit tired, but yeah. okay. Yeah. We're up so, here in the Northeast. We had a lot of snow this week. It's been a little bit of week. snow. A little bit of snow. So It's been pretty intense. So that's why a little bit later than usual. But it's good. <laughs> it's good reading time. Yeah. Yeah, you could read. While you're waiting for your snow to we melt. We were kind of snowed in for a day there. Just so, a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Some good reading opportunities. Yes. Great. What did, what did we read? Well, we read uh, The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb by Earl Stein. Book five. Book five. Came out in 1993. Excellent. Um, let's see. Um, shall we go over the covers? Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Oh, again. If this is your first time listening to this, uh, we tend to go through uh, Goosebumps podcast. Uh, we tend to in talk detail. About, in detail, great detail, in great detail. So um, first thing we talk about some general stuff, and then we go into spoiler territory. So we'll let you know before that happens, so you can take the time to sit down and read the book yourself. Right. Yeah. So first thing we like to do is look at uh, the cover itself. Right? People love the covers. So I love the, the covers. The original cover, you know, uh, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, R.L. Stein. Good colors, good color coordination. As you expect, it's got a mummy. A little mummy on there, just kind of chilling out, red eyes. What does it say here? It says, um, what will wake the dead? Okay. All right. That's, that, that's all right. That's the original cover. The original cover. Right. 2003, they did a re-release. Very bit, similar. Very similar. A little bit of color and shifting. If we could take a step back for a second, the, first, the original cover, it's not that great. Really? It's fine. It's not very interesting. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really great. Some and this one is kind of boring. Well, it's that, basically just a mummy standing there from like the shoulders up. Yeah. Yeah. He's just hanging out. Yeah. All right. Anyways, so the, the third cover. That's actually a better one. You think that's a better cover? Yeah. I don't know. This, I mean, it's, this is the first time I've ever liked the third cover, like a redone cover better than the original. It seems just more goofy. It really seems more goofy. I love it. No, that's way better. All right. So, yeah. If you're listening and you want to look at the covers, check them out. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you think is best. Yeah. That's the 2009 cover. The 2009 cover. There's a 1993 yes. one and the 2003 one are like very similar. The 2009, I think, is like a lot better, mm. which is unusual. Mm. But all right. Yeah. Great. So again, uh, welcome to the Goosebumps podcast. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> and so um, at this point, we like to um, maybe what's your overview of this book high level thoughts Spoiler. yeah high level thoughts um it was okay it was honestly kind of boring mm-hmm. um it wasn't a very scary one it was kind of it's like a kind of an adventure one mm-hmm. it was all right but overall i thought it was like kind of weaker than the other ones not great what do you think yeah i didn't remember this one um when i went to go back it's and kind of forgettable it. isn't it and that's the reason yeah because it definitely a forgettable book um if they, they went but back. Keep, but keep listening. <laughs> but keep listening. Regardless, <laughs> there may be a quiz at the end. But um, no, I mean, it um, had some issues. Um, yeah. But their R.L. Stein tropes were it's in full effect. And there, uh, he got back into a style that I believe he uses more later on in his other books. Yeah. So, so yeah. So um, do we want to give our listeners? I think so. Those are my high-level thoughts. I'm ready to jump in. All right. So, so let's give our listeners if, a chance to, to flip through it. To read through the book. So if you haven't read through the book um, since two, 1993, why don't you take a few minutes to uh, go to your local library or booksellers and uh, pick it up. This is The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. 
And we'll give you a few moments to read it right about now. Do it. And we're back. And we're back. Good job on reading the book, guys. I hope that you enjoyed it. We're very proud of you. More than we did. <laughs> so let's go ahead and read. Let's go ahead and do it. Ready? All right. Yes. Ready to jump in? All right. So here's how our story starts. We've got a thirsty kid in the desert. 12-year-old Gabe. He's on Christmas vacation in Egypt with his parents. His parents are actually there on business, um, and they're seeing some great pyramids. Some pretty great pyramids, George. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And Gabe is very thirsty, and he's complaining to his parents because they're in the desert, and he wants a drink of water. But his dad is more interested in in sharing some pyramid facts, does not have any drinks for Gabe. And the... um, a, f- a few facts for us about Gabe and, and Egypt and, and his life is that his, he's actually, Gabe's parents are Egyptian on both sides of the family, mm-hmm. and they immigrated to the U.S. from Egypt. So Gabe's got some roots there, um, and Gabe has a famous archaeologist named Uncle Ben, mm-hmm. who is an expert on pyramids and mummies and is apparently doing some work at the Great Pyramids. So Gabe is very interested in the pyramids and in touring them, but his dad's like, I don't think we can actually tour them. We're just going to stand here and look at them. So it's, it's like kind of a, a business trip turned into a family vacation mm-hmm. to the pyramids in Egypt, hanging out in the desert. And Gabe is, I think, interested in that sort of thing. But at the moment, he's just kind of complaining because it's very hot in the desert. Yeah, I mean, did they ever say what the parents' business was? Something in refrigeration. Really? Oh, yeah. They yeah. sold our refrigerators. Yeah. I'm sorry. Refrigerators, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yep. It was a good place to sell them. Yeah. But we've got here, we've got like kind of an adventure in a foreign land. That's mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. what the story is going to be a little bit about. Yeah, it like should, have, should have been a, an adventurous one out the park. Exciting, exotic setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what we're working with. And also, the, the story is back to first person perspective, which I think we mm-hmm. saw in like book one, but we haven't seen since. Yes. And the first chapter ends with Gabe saying, um, he's standing there looking at the pyramids and he says, Little did I know that in a few days, mom and dad would be gone. And I would be deep inside the pyramid we were staring at. Not just inside it, but trapped inside, sealed inside, probably forever. Mm. So that's kind of your um, intro to the story. Mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of a teaser at the end of chapter one. Get you excited about what you're going to be reading. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that so far, George? Well, I mean, it's um, it's all right. I mean, it's back to the oral style. It's all right. Style. It's, all right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's nothing very much to write home agree. about, but yep. it's, it's, it's okay. So they're looking... They, Spend the day at the pyramids, and the family drives back to Cairo. Gabe is generally kind of bored and unimpressed with most of what he's seeing. Um, he doesn't get that drink of water until they're back at the hotel, and he mentions that by the time he's uh, that he gets a drink, his tongue is hanging out of his mouth like their dog Elvis. So we've got another dog. We got another so that, dog. So that box is checked. Yes. The dog is not actually in the story, but it's just a quick mention at, at the top of the book that. Uh, there is a dog in this world. Yeah. There's a family dog. That's all oh, a few things that I wanted to um, want to relay. Uh, before they got back to the hotel, yep. uh, they talked about how they're on the tour, yep. and they're all shielding their eyes, uh-huh. you know, it's just with their hands. And I'm thinking to myself, you're in a desert. Maybe you should wear hats. Hats? All right? Sunglasses and hats? Sun- sunglasses and hats. That would make sense. Um, another thing they talk about is, um, you know... Uh, how they were going by the Nile River, and he was trying to play his uh, Game Boy. Uh, his mom was like, oh, you better look yep. at the river. And he was like, a river is a river, which is true. I mean, like how much of, like if you're going by the Nile River, right? Uh-huh. You got a Game Boy in your pocket. You look at it a little bit, but eventually. Take a quick look at the river. Yeah, a quick look at the river at least. But if it's just a muddy brown river and there's not too much to see. Not that great. Yeah, you could get everything you need like a minute or so, right? Do you have, did you have like a lot of history of like playing Game Boy in the car? Because um, I think, uh, like, sometimes I get car sick. 
Yeah, that could bad. happen. So if yeah. for those who don't remember, the original Game Boy was not backlit, uh-huh. meaning that it was a system where it was almost like uh, a LCD calculator where it was just, you know, the images came up on screen, the screen was tinted green and things like that because we might have some younger viewers listening. So Yeah, that's right. Hopefully not too young. Not too young. There are adult situations. <laughs> there are occasionally, adult situations. Occasionally, occasionally there are adult situations in this yes. podcast. Yes. All right. What else? Anything else in your notes? Um, Page, let's see. Oh, yeah. By page eight, Arl Stein already mentioned a dog, as is his That's want right. to do. Yep. We checked that box early. Yes. Um, and then the parents, they're back at the hotel. The parents get a call about some business they need to take care of in Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And Gabe doesn't want to go with them. And he talks his parents into letting him stay with Uncle Ben. So just like that, we've got the parents out of the way, too. Mm-hmm. Another box yeah. checked early yeah. on. So uh, Uncle... Um, Parents are out of the way. They're kind of neglectful in terms of getting their child water. I mean, that's one of the first things they say if you're in a very hot, dry area. Make sure you hydrate regularly. And they're just, um, they made sure to illustrate that this person is indeed 12 and not 4. So it's right in that R.L. Stein sweet spot between 11 and 12. Yeah. So. Yep. So Uncle Ben is going to kind of take care of Gabe while his parents are gone. And Uncle Ben also has a daughter, uh, mm-hmm. which is Gabe's cousin, named uh, Sari, S-A-R-I, Sari, mm-hmm. who is also on Christmas vacation from boarding school in the U.S. So we've got a boy-girl pair. Mm-hmm. Uh, check that box. Check, check. Gabe is not a huge fan of Sari. Obviously, he knows her. Um, he thinks that she's kind of stuck up um, mm-hmm. and says that she's very competitive and always needs to be the first and the best at everything. So he's kind mm-hmm. of annoyed. And then there's uh, some more video game references, George. Yeah. Any comments? So basically, he talks about how Sari was so... Her big claim to fame is that she could, quote, unquote, beat Super Mario Land, um, you know, and, and get to the last level. Right. And then he said, oh, but she has a Super Nintendo and she's able to practice. And he only has a regular Nintendo. Right. Now, I don't know if you realize this. This uh-huh. is a mistake. Okay. Super Mario Land is on what system, Justin? Um... It's Game Boy, isn't it? Super Mario Land yeah. is on the Game Boy. Uh, Super Mario World, World. is on the Super, uh, Nintendo. Super Nintendo. That's right. So Super Mario Land came out in, I think, about uh, 1991 or 1992. I actually have the timeline uh, up in my room. Wow. Um, so the Super Mario Land 2 came out in 1993, I believe. So Nice. Yes. Good catch. Yeah. So Gabe's parents leave, saying that Uncle Ben and Sari will be there soon, and they want Gabe to just stay in the hotel room and wait. And Gabe gets kind of nervous waiting, thinking about what if Uncle Ben never shows up and I'm just stuck here by myself. Mm-hmm. My parents have left me. What if I am kind of stranded here alone? And Gabe mentions that also that he carries a mummy hand thing around with him for good luck. Mm-hmm. We're introduced mm-hmm. early on to the fact that Gabe carries this good luck charm around. It's like something that he found in a garage sale and bought for a couple bucks. Wait, how many bucks specifically? Two. Two bucks. Yeah. So that's another running trend with R.L. Stein. Everything's two dollars. Everything that that's is true. mystical has, um, well, quote unquote, mystical two bucks. So oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Reminded me of like people who I don't know if you remember when like we were younger, you could buy like rabbit's feet, and I know that's like lucky s- rabbit's still feet. a thing, sort of. It's like the idea of it is still a thing. Yeah. They actually like used to have those in like vending machines at the supermarket and stuff. Yeah, and I they think were real. So. And it I was mean, pretty gross. I mean, I, I guess so. I mean. Are you sure they were always real? Not always, but they often were. Yeah, so basically they'd have them like dye different colors and stuff like that. So, I mean, I I guess. I mean, the whole joke is it's lucky for you, not so much for the rabbit. Right. But, I mean, rabbits are plentiful. 
So, sure. I but mean, it's I, just a weird thing to carry around. Like it is. Is it's basically yeah. someone trying to sell you garbage and um, telling you, "Hey, this is good luck. Give right. me money for it." Yeah. So pretty weird. Yeah. Um. So game's waiting for Uncle Ben to show up, and then he hears some footsteps approaching the door. Mm-hmm. The doorknob turns, and the door opens, and Gabe sees a tall, shadowy figure in the doorway that lurches into the hotel room, and it's a mummy mm-hmm. with dark eyes staring through old bandages, and it's coming after Gabe. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And it's Uncle Ben. <laughs> He's dressed, he, dressed up, <laughs> he dressed up as a mummy. He's playing a joke. He seems like a pretty fun uncle, trying yeah. to scare his nephew. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as Uncle Ben's go, I mean, I've I've... Seen better Uncle Ben's in media, but this one isn't right. dead, you know. Yeah, so he's all right, he's so, good, yeah. decent uncle. Yeah, so Gabe's been pretty scared. Uncle Ben and Sarah and Sorry think that it's very funny, um, so mm-hmm. they're laughing. And Gabe gets really mad and he gets kind of embarrassed. Mm-hmm. A quick side note uh, when Uncle Ben came mummying into the room, Gabe kind of reflexively held up the mummy hand thing and kind of threw it at Ben, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then Ben later picked it up and asked him about it. So as you remember, Ben is like an archaeologist with a knowledge of these things, and he's like, "What is this thing that you carry around?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Gabe tells him about it. So and Ben's like, "Oh, that's weird. All right, whatever. Mm, Hang on to that." Yeah, gives it right back to him. So Ben has his has his fun scaring Gabe, and then he after that he kind of like says that he's happy to see Gabe. Um, says that it's going to be great for them to hang out um, over the mm-hmm. next few days. And Ben says that he discovered a new burial chamber, and he's very excited about it. He says, "Wait till you see it." Mm-hmm. And Gabe is like we're going to get to go hang out in the pyramid. Like, that's going to be great. And Ben's like, I don't have anything else to do with you. Like, I, <laughs> I, I have to do, Yeah, I have to like watch you. So I guess you get to come with me into the pyramid. So Gabe's very excited about that. He's amped up to be in the pyramid. And at dinner, Uncle Ben tells Gabe more about the pyramid they're working on. He says it was built in 2500 BC during the reign of Pharaoh Khufu, mm-hmm. which by the way is real. I looked that up. I didn't know. I never heard of that, but oh, that's okay. a, that is a real Pharaoh, historically accurate. Nice. Um, they recently discovered in this pyramid a hidden chamber that is believed to be the burial chamber of Pharaoh Khufu. Hmm. Yeah. So Gabe's excited. He's got some plans to do a little tomb raiding. Yep. He's already kind uh-huh. of fantasizing about like what he's going to find. He's going to find like treasures jewels and jewels and, and things and like that. Yeah. yeah. So he's excited. The next morning they go to the pyramid. Uncle Ben is getting the kids ready and he gives them flashlights. Mm-hmm. He says to Gabe, you don't believe in curses, do you? Mm-hmm. And Gabe says no. And Ben says that that's good. Because one of the workers is pretty sure that we're unleashing a curse by violating the pyramid. Well, that's not how you like bring this up to a kid. You just talk to them about how curses aren't real. And don't just say, hey, you don't believe in curses, do you? Like, by the way, offhandedly as you're walking into there, you know? Yeah. But maybe something to be concerned about. That one of the yeah. workers is either informing them that there is a curse. Mm-hmm. Or you've got a staff that believes in curses mm-hmm. and is maybe a little unhinged. Yes, Yes. Something to, something to keep in mind. Uh, but they enter the pyramid anyway, of course. And there's a long tunnel that slopes down, and it's obviously very dark in there. Oh, one thing I want cold. to note, one thing I want to note is they yes, said, sir. oh, they went in and there were um, granite walls, you know, and then they talked about how the whole pyramid was made out of limestone. Yep. I think this is another mistake. Granite, again, we all know is an igneous rock. Oh, of course. Limestone, we all know that. Limestone is a sedimentary rock, right? Sedimentary, so. sedimentary rock. Yeah. So either it's granite or limestone. It can't be both. It can't be both. Why couldn't they have just found two different kinds of rock and made the pyramid out of two different kinds of I rock? I guess so. I mean, like if they made the walls out of granite and then uh, everything else out of limestone. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense in terms of what would be in the area of that uh, place. I mean, that means they would have to find uh, an igneous uh, rock area. That's right. 
which could happen. Is there igneous rock in? Uh... No, I have no idea. I'm sure that our geologist listeners, as well as our archaeologist listeners, will comment. Mm-hmm. Yes, please comment below about how um, this is right or wrong. Tell me about what you've seen when you go how tomb raiding. How do you build your pyramids? Exactly. How do you build your pyramids? Yeah. Yes. Um, so the, you know, Gabe, Ben, sorry, they all are in the pyramid. They're kind of wa- like going through the pyramid tunnels. There's a lot of tunnels in there. They have to go through a variety of tunnels to get to the chamber that they're looking for. Um, and they go down this long tunnel and they have to go through like a small hole in the floor through another tunnel. Mm-hmm. And there's a rope ladder in one of the holes that they have to go down. So they start climbing down there. Ben goes in there first and then Gabe. And Gabe like slides his hands down the rope ladder and immediately hurts himself and then lets go of the ladder and starts falling. Yeah, just a just a rookie move. Just uh like yeah. you don't 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 slide your hands down a rope ladder. No. No, no, it's not how do you do it? Walk us through it. I, I, Basically, you gotta feel it up first. You got yeah. you can't just start rubbing your hands on everything you see. That's, that's how right. you, that's how you get cuts. Well, and you, go, you gotta go like hand over hand. Don't yeah. just slide them. Yeah. Is it um? Do you think it was a like rope ladder in terms of rope with knots on it, or full on rope ladder with like different rungs? I envisioned rungs. Rungs. I envisioned rungs too. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know if they'd um, if they would have that sort of nice ladder in this confined space. Yeah, it could have just been like a a knotted rope. A knotted rope. Possible. I'm thinking. It was a lot harder to to climb up and probably climb down as well. Yeah, but if you... I don't know. All right. Yeah. 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 Um, So so Gabe starts to fall after he lets go of the rope or the ladder. As one does when they let go of a rope ladder. Unfortunately, Sari has fast reflexes. She grabs Gabe's hands and Gabe is able to grab back onto the ladder. Uncle Ben is like, try not sliding your hands. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then they all make it down. Okay, they make a comment that they're like, down there. It's like really stuffy and it's dusty, and it's like, oh, we're breathing air that's four thousand years old. Mm. I would argue, George, that the air is actually older than that. Quite possibly, yes, <laughs> yes. But, but anyway, it's down in the pyramid. They have to go through some narrow maze-like passageways, and eventually they come to an opening where there's some additional workers with digging tools. So they found like the the team, like the crew mm-hmm, that's like mm-hmm. looking around for this new chamber or this new passageway deep in the pyramid mm-hmm. gabe is introduced to one of the workers named ahmed uh, ahmed is from the university and he's a pretty serious guy he's the one who's been warning ben about the curse yeah uh, he's repeatedly warned ben that they're all in mortal danger by violating this pyramid so a pretty serious dude um, the other workers are more interested in kind of talking about the progress that they've made but ahmed is kind of sketchily like Giving everybody cryptic warnings. Doom. Yeah. Turn back. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you don't. You just take this person off your staff. You know, like what is he really adding to your um, workforce other than making people nervous so Make that they're not doing their job, right. not doing their job properly? Yeah. You know. Yeah, but may, I mean, maybe they were short-staffed. You got to take what you get. I mean, he was from the university, right? That's what they say. He's from the university. Yeah. From the university, and um, you know, he acts. He was a university student that acts to work with them. So. Yeah. But in general, so Ahmed is just basically warning everybody and creeping everybody out. The rest of them are trying to find this tunnel or this chamber, but they don't seem like they really know what they're looking for or where they're going to find it. They're mm-hmm. just kind of digging around. So, well, sorry to interrupt you again, uh, Justin. No problem. But um, Please at do. this time... Interrupt as often as you'd like, George, because yes. this is not a particularly interesting story. <laughs> so any side comments that you want to make... We'll probably add a lot to this. I think so. Uh, at this time, do you think they had um, like sonar echolocation technology where they could um, 
uh, sort of see what was in there. I know. Great question. I know that. Um, uh, side note. Did you ever used to watch uh, Johnny Quest? Not really. No. No? No. Not even the real adventures of Johnny Quest that came out in the early 2000s? No. With Quest World? No. Nope. No? Never. All right. So one of the things that they did in there is they um, would um, sort of take a core sample of soil of or of an area. Uh-huh. Then they would put a small like blasting cap in there, and then they would detonate that. And that would the, from the sonar waves, they would tell... Uh, what's in the area, what's in the ground, if there are any rooms or things like that. Okay. In 1990, let's say, three, do you think they had something like that or something where they could use sonar, uh, some sort of sonar probe to sort of tell where the rooms are? Again, you wouldn't want to do a blasting cap inside no. of a, an ancient uh, thing like this. You would not. But in terms of some sort of sonar, do you think they I, had something? I think they had some kind of sonar technology, right? Yes. yes. So, yeah. So they probably would have used that instead of just just digging around. I think so. I I mean I think about that a lot in terms of like people digging through like ancient ruins and stuff, and even mm-hmm. in terms of like dinosaur bones and like when you dig that up. Mm-hmm. Like for a long time, people were doing that without advanced technology, That's and probably true. ultimately didn't do a great job because mm-hmm. like all they've got is like shovels pick and like brushes and, and brushes. pickaxes, and so they're like damaging stuff as they quote unquote discover it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. probably like. If they had just like left it in place and waited for technology to like develop for another fifty years, like it would have been much better preserved, mm-hmm. and they would have done like a much better job. There's probably a lot of things that um, that we could have understood about the pyramids if people weren't just going in there with just basically Too pickaxes. Yeah. yeah, because but a lot of them I think were discovered or like explored like a hundred years ago or or more. Yeah, when there was definitely no like sonar technology or even like a proper camera to like yeah. take a picture of what you are seeing before you mess everything up. Yeah, yeah. So, again, I'm no archaeologist. I'm not either. So, our archaeologist friends, uh, in the comments below, please tell <laughs> us how how you explore your tombs and your dinosaur bones. Exactly. Um, so, Ben, uh, they're all down in the pyramid still. Ben's talking to his coworkers. He gets distracted by some other, you know, discussions about the progress that they're making. And Sari has the idea that she and Gabe should go exploring. Gabe is pretty reluctant, but Sari starts teasing him. She calls him a chicken and then starts imitating a chicken. Yeah. So Not the first time we've seen that. It's all over. And Gabe relents. He got trolled pretty hard. He took the bait. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sari says that they're going to explore some tunnels. They say that she's like, we won't get lost. We won't go very far. But she like kind of baits him into going with her. So at this point, basically, Sari is saying, let's go exploring. Uh, Sari is essentially Tommy Pickles at this point. You remember Tommy Pickles, right? Yeah. Basically, baby from Rugrats for yeah. our younger viewers. Again, w- as soon as the adults' backs are turns, um, yeah. he just takes them and they go on the little adventure. Yeah. So, but again, in this situation, you know, in my book, reasonable people, you know, <laughs> you know, the main protagonist would say, "No, that's a dumb idea. There are hundreds of tu- uh, hundreds of tunnels unexplored. We're going to stay where the adults can see us." There's a lot to say about Gabe and his like psyche because mm-hmm. he. Everything he does is motivated by, I would say, insecurities. Wow. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. Because like she, he and he gets baited into doing stuff so easily, like making bad decisions. And it's all so that he won't be perceived to be like weak mm-hmm. or frightened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that may catch up to him at some point in the story. Yeah, it might catch up to him later on in life. For sure. Yeah. But sorry, basically gets her way and they decide they're going to go exploring. They wander off. They go down a few tunnels, make a few turns, and eventually Gabe stops to tie his shoe and loses sight of Sari. Mm-hmm. 
before Gabe can find her, we learn that sometime in the past, Gabe tried to show Sari up by taking her to a spooky house on a stormy night and kind of ditching her there. Mm -hmm. And then when he tried to find her, he couldn't, and he freaked out and ran home crying, only to find that Sari was already there, kind of hanging out. Eating his food in his house. So Sari has definitely a, a history of outsmarting Gabe. Gabe has a history of being trolled by Sari. And mm-hmm. in this situation, Gabe thinks that she's deliberately left him behind in the pyramid to try to scare him. Scare him. Mm-hmm. That's true. Not unreasonable. I know that I uh, had a friend uh, growing up. Um, his name was Al, I believe. And whenever he would come over, whenever I would hang out with him, we'd be walking someplace and he would just disappear. And I couldn't figure out where he went. It might be because I had very bad awareness or it might be because he was having a training in ninjutsu and things like that. Possible. But it was a... He'd always be hiding someplace, you know. Why did he do that? I don't know. Because he could, I guess. He's trying to mess with you? Yeah. I mean, like, it. I mean, not really scare me per se, but it's almost like seeing, okay, can I hide from this kid, you know? All right. But do you have any friends that did things like that? Not that I can recall. Nobody, really? Nobody's just mysteriously hiding to try to scare me or anything. Yeah, he didn't try to jump out or anything like that, but right. sort of just... I lose sight of just him. Like a ninja in training, sort of. I, I Did guess. He think so. of himself as a ninja. I don't know. I really didn't ask him these uh, hard hitting questions. Do you still have his contact info? Uh, I think I, um, right. I, I. I think I could find it. All right. Yes. Let's get in touch. Um, so Gabe thinks that Sorry has, has ditched him in the in the tunnels of the pyramid to scare him. And Gabe mm-hmm. is looking for her, getting more and more worried as he can't find her, and then he ends up in a small room with a mummy case, like a sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. They keep calling them mummy cases. They At do. no point do they say sarcophagus. I think they did mention sarcophagus at one point, like later in the book. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, yeah, they're calling it a mummy case. a mummy case. case. Why do they keep calling it a mummy case? Is it that Arl Stein is thinking that uh, children aren't too dumb to know? Or is it... Sarcophagus is a tough word. I it mean, is. It is. It's sarcophagus. Was that three or four syllable word? At least. At least. Well, I mean, it, it's. Uh, um, were they called mummy cases anywhere else? Have you seen them being called mummy cases in life? In life, have you? No, no. But a mummy case sounds like something you pack up your electronics in so that they don't get scratched or gosh, something like yeah. that. Yeah. You no, know, oh, I'm gonna put all my um my mummy case, all my stuff in this mummy case. It's gonna be padded and gonna be last forever. Yep. But but Gabe has stumbled upon this mummy case. And mm-hmm. he's like, hey, cool, maybe I discovered this mummy case, and I'll be famous for discovering this <laughs> mummy case. And he's checking it out when the lid starts to open, and mm-hmm. Gabe is startled, and he drops the flashlight, but he picks it up again, looks back at the open case, and he sees two eyes staring at him. Mm-hmm. And Gabe screams, mm-hmm. and it's sorry. Sorry. And sorry is very proud of herself, and Gabe is pissed, and he's basically <laughs> like, he's planning revenge at this point. Yeah. Like, he feels like he's humiliated himself a couple times already on the ladder, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then he's screamed mm-hmm. when he was scared by sorry, mm-hmm. so he's feeling, like, pretty bad about himself. Yeah. And he's plotting revenge. Yeah, what, what was he plotting? I don't remember. I don't know if there's anything specific yet, but he's definitely, like, he's really upset, mm-hmm. and he's planning on lashing out at some point. <laughs> Um, they hear some footsteps behind them and it's Uncle Ben. He shows mm-hmm. up. He's pretty mad at the children for running off. He As yells, he should be. Yeah, I mean, he, like, it's, it would be very easy for them to get lost and or die. For sure. He yells at them a bit and, again, warns them that it's very dangerous down there and they could easily get lost. As they're walking back to the work area, uh, Ben and Sari are kind of laughing. And, they, and Gabe thinks that they're laughing at him and he's getting pretty unreasonably angry. Uh, he's sure that they're laughing at him and he's kind of losing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, he's probably... He's going to freak out and like, yeah. he's going to go postal. Yeah. He's going to do something dumb. He's basically 
completely obsessed with the feud that he's got with Sari. And um, yeah, he's upset. Yeah. The next morning, Ben has to go to the Cairo Museum. So the kids are probably going to go spend the day hanging around there. But then Ben gets a phone call. And apparently a couple of his workers have become mysteriously sick and are in the hospital. Hmm. Ben has to go see them. He tells the kids to stay in the hotel. But again, Sari has plans to go adventuring. Of course. They decide that they're going to go to the museum anyway. Is it Ben or Sari that says that they should go to the museum? Sorry. I th- are you, you sure? Mean, you mean Gabe or sorry? Gabe or sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> no, I think I think I think, was I think Gabe was trying to not be um, trying to show that he's uh, brave and yeah, say we should right. go to the museum yeah, regardless. Probably. So yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. So he's trying to like save face and like pretend that he's not like a scared kid by mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. like, oh, let's gonna go, let's go to the museum. Mm-hmm. They leave a note for Uncle Ben, which it, you should always leave a note. <laughs> leave a note. They decided to leave a note for Uncle Ben. They I guess want him to gets know back where early. Went. Gets back early. Yeah. Um. So the, and then they head out. So leave a note. They head out to the museum. Mm-hmm. They the museum's pretty close by. It's like a few blocks. Um, so they get to the museum quickly. It's pretty cool. Well, another thing. Yes. Another thing. As they leave the house, you know, they're squinting and covering, shielding their eyes. Yeah. Because they they're don't hatless. have hats. They're hatless. They need hats. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something that bothers me. Hats and shades. Hats and shades. They get to the museum. It's pretty neat. There's a lot of museum-y stuff around there. They see a mummy that Gabe is really excited about. And then he starts talking to Sari about the mummification process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's talking about it in a lot of detail, mm-hmm. particularly the first step, which he says is removing the brain. Mm-hmm. And it starts to make Sari kind of sick. Um, and Gabe's really enjoying like making her uncomfortable mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Uh, obviously he's got this kind of inferiority complex. And mm-hmm. so he's trying to like kind of make her squeamish, talking about like the details of the mummification process. Try to get the upper hand. Yeah. Um, and he continues to do that until Ahmed shows up. Ahmed mm-hmm. was the worker from earlier who had given the warnings about the curse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Sari and Gabe are like, why is Ahmed here? They're kind of creeped out that he would show up. They don't know what he's doing there. And he's kind of like, he's got like a weird vibe. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he wasn't very nice to them in the... Um, Not friendly. In the uh, pyramid. pyramid. Yep. And um, here, you know, they kind of see him from afar. And they're kind of creeped out. They say, you know... I think who is it that says that they should run? Is it Ben or Sari? I'm not sure, but they definitely run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they decide to run. I think Sari is the one that uh, says that oh, they should run. run. Yeah, yeah. So they try to run away. Yep. And um, Ahmed follows. He follows suit. Quickly behind. Yeah. Yeah. He chases them. He get, manages to get them cornered. Yep. And then, and then Ahmed walks up and says, "Why are you running? Like, <laughs> you, you know me. We just met like yesterday." And he's like out of breath. He's like you know holding his side and things like that. So yeah. they gave good chase through this uh, museum. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but but Ahmed says, "I've got a message from your father." Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Ben did get back to the hotel, found the note, and sent Ahmed to get the kids. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Ahmed is going to take the kids back to the hotel to meet up with their father. So they head back to the hotel, uh, but Gabe is like, "Wait, we're going the wrong way." Like. The hotel's that way. Why are we walking this way? And Ahmed mm-hmm. says, well, we're going to my car. Yeah, we're, going to have, we're just going to go get in the car. Let's yeah, let's just, go to my car. It'll be fine. Just let's hop in my car, kids. Get in my car. 12-year-olds. And they get to the car, and it becomes clear that Ahmed is not taking them to the hotel. Well, so they get in the car. Right way because they, start, they start driving a little bit, and Gabe is like, this is not the way back to the hotel. This is not the way to where, the hotel. Where are we going? He says, put on your seatbelts. Make yep. sure you have your seatbelts on. Yep. And then Gabe's like... I think we're being kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, which is very reasonable. Uh, first and foremost, my first thoughts on, you know, these two 12-year-olds who says, oh, basically back when they were in the hotel, Gabe was like, we're 12-year-olds. We're 12-year-olds. We're not babies, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. 
in my thing is that okay, I guess in some cultures, uh, Sori might have been married off at twelve, yeah. which is suspect. But and Gabe would have been working in the mines for a few years. Yeah, um, for a few years already. Yeah. But still, twelve-year-olds in Egypt by yourselves don't go wandering off. Probably not. Yeah, it's a bad idea. So at this point, they're in the back of a stranger's car, essentially a stranger, um, yeah. driving away from the hotel. Yep. And so what happens next? Um, so they realize that they're probably being kidnapped, and they decide they're going to bail out of the car as soon as it stops. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the car stops. They both like run as fast as they can, jump out of the car. They mm-hmm. run. Um, after a while, they, they look back, and they don't see Ahmed anywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they, they've gotten away from him, but they realize that they're lost. And Sari is scared, and Gabe is more concerned about showing that he's not scared than mm-hmm. with the situation at hand. He's just like... You're scared and I'm not. I'm feeling good about myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they're not really sure what to do, but they see a taxi and they think, well, well, we'll just ask the taxi driver to take us back to the hotel. So they ask the taxi driver for a ride and the driver starts laughing and the kids are like, oh shit, it's a trap. And they get ready to run. Like they think that maybe the taxi driver is like working with Ahmed. Mm-hmm. It's all just a trap. Um, so they get ready to run, but then they realize they're literally right across the street from the hotel. So that's why the taxi driver was laughing. One of the things also is that uh, it's a situation where uh, they were concerned that no one would be able to know their language. You know, that's why they yep. were concerned about not being asked for help. Yeah. But with this, it's a situation where the taxi driver spoke their language and they were across the street. So. That's right. Yep. So they're, they're basically they were already back at the hotel. Mm-hmm. So back there, they find that the note is still where they left it, and it seems like Ben hasn't been there. So mm-hmm. they believe that Ahmed had was, had been lying to them. Um, and then just a few minutes later, Ben actually does return, and he says that his sick workers are not doing well. It mm-hmm. seems like they're in shock, as if they've been like frightened, speechless. So that's the situation there. And Sari says that Ahmed tried to kidnap them from the museum, and Ben is like, Pretty sure I told you not to leave the hotel. So how was it that <laughs> you saw them at the museum? What, how museum? Like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, kidnapping, huh? Like, that's pretty weird. What a mystery. It's a real head scratcher. Ahmed, and he literally scratches his head. Yep. And then he's like, well, I should probably get back to the pyramid. Um, so I'm going to leave you guys alone again. But this time, <laughs> stay in the hotel for real. Don't this time, don't get kidnapped. Um, he says, Ben says it's too dangerous for them to come to the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why he wants to leave them there. But the kids are like, no, we're not We're not staying here in the hotel. We're coming with you. Yeah. And he's like, okay, fine. So they head back to the pyramid. Ben's kind of a pushover. You think about it. A little bit. Yeah. And so is Gabe. Everybody but sorry, I guess, really. It was a cent- yeah. Yeah. Um, they head back to the pyramid. Before they go in, Ben gives sorry and Gabe tracking devices to wear. Mm-hmm. And they're walking through the tunnels of the pyramid. Like they're little devices that when you press the button, it sort of yeah. has a beep. Yeah. Um, I've seen things, uh, I think maybe similar to this, like that firefighters might use. Yeah. Um, I've seen, um, have you um, Have you ever seen people cosplaying? Sure. Specifically cosplaying Ghostbusters? Uh, no. There's, there are a set of people that uh, cosplay okay. as Ghostbusters in the New England area. And they have these little things that they can attach to their belt. Mm-hmm. And each one of them has a different tone. And if you press the button, it makes their tone. So okay. it's a situation that firefighters might use it if they're trapped in a building or something like that. So you hear a pitch. It's like, oh, Tony's over there. Uh, I see. You know, so I was wondering if it was something like that or if it was something where it would just send a tone to uh, the uncle's like head one. I don't know? know. Yeah, I think um, I got the impression that it, when they push the button, it makes 
like the it makes Uncle Ben's mm-hmm. beeper thing start beeping, mm-hmm. and then maybe it like beeps faster and faster if it gets as it gets to closer. Target. Yeah, probably. I guess, but I don't know. They head back to the pyramid, but before they go in, Ben and Ben give Sari and Gabe tracking devices to wear. They're walking through the tunnels of the pyramid, and Gabe is making pretty minimal efforts to keep up with the others. And, well, and he's then he trying. stops. And he, no, he's not trying at all. <laughs> and, then he stops, and then he stops to tie his shoe, and again gets completely separated from the group. Like his left shoelace keeps coming untied. This is a situation where I've had issues with shoelaces. Justin, how about you? Shoelace issues nope. ever? Nope. No, you know how to tie knots. Yep. 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 So. I don't know. If it happens that often, you need to reevaluate the way that you're tying your shoes. Or maybe even reevaluate your lace choices. It's true. It's true. Uh, round or flat, Justin? Uh, whatever comes with the shoes. Probably. Ah. So usually flat. Flat? Yeah. Yeah. So flat laces will kind of stay in place a little bit better than rounded ones. Yep. So, but yeah. Take note. Take note. <laughs> um, so Gabe gets separated from the others. And instead of just staying there and using the tracker that Ben just gave him, Gabe starts running through the tunnels. He doesn't use the tracker because he thinks that Sari will make fun of him. So again, he he needs to like let this go. Yeah, he's going to get himself in big trouble. He'll get himself killed. Because he just doesn't want to be made a fool of. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gabe scrambles around for a while, gets himself completely lost, and then when he finally uses decides to use the tracker, just as he's doing that, the floor beneath him breaks apart and he falls down into another chamber. Mm-hmm. And when he kind of collects himself, he's standing face to face with a mummy. And in that chamber is not just one mummy. The chamber is filled with mummies. The chamber is crammed with mummies, George. Chocked it's, it's full packed, of mummies. Packed with mummies. You mm-hmm. couldn't fit even one more mummy into that chamber. It's filled mm-hmm. to the brim. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of mummies in there. There's actually space for more, though. There's no space for more. There's <laughs> space for more mummies. It's full of mummies. There, there's a bunch of mummies. All right. So they're, he's, he's fallen into a chamber filled with mummies. Gabe makes some observations. First of all, it's weird to have a mummy storage room. He sees that the mummies are not positioned in the way that mummies are typically found in pyramids. They're not just like laying down in a sarcophagus. They're kind of like, some of them are standing up. Some of them are like laying down. Some of them are on their sides. It's kind of strange. There are a lot of mummy making tools scattered around. There's a tar pit in the chamber. Mm -hmm. And the mummies are all exceptionally well preserved. Mm -hmm. So Gabe feels like maybe he's made a very important discovery here. And he's ready to use the tracker to call Ben to show him what he's found. But the tracker is destroyed. It's smashed because he fell on it. Tracker's destroyed, George. Tracker's destroyed. So Gabe is, he has, he's trackerless. He starts screaming, hoping that somebody will hear him. But nobody's responding yet. He keeps screaming for help. He's not just screaming like a wounded goat, though. That's he's right. He's just like screaming, help, help. And then while he's down there, he feels like um, there's something moving. Like mm-hmm. something's moving against his leg. Less legs, makes sneakers, his and drop stuff. His flashlight, makes him drop his flashlight. Whenever he steps, he feels like he's stepping on something crunchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he picks up his flashlight. He's able to turn it on, and it's scorpions. Scorpions. So it's just... Lots of scorpions. Lots of scorpions all over the ground. He accidentally stepped into a nest of scorpions. Which, a lot of scorpions. I, I mean, what would scorpions eat down there, really? Each other. I guess. Other scorpions. I guess, yeah. Uh, but Gabe is very startled. He trips, and he's about to face plant into the scorpion pile, but then somebody grabs him, which at first he thinks is a mummy, but mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Sari. Yeah. She saved him again. Yeah, saved from face planting in the scorpion pile. So Sari actually got separated from her father while they were looking for Gabe, so now everybody's lost. Everybody's separated. Gabe shows Sari the mummies he found, and she thinks it's pretty cool, and then mm-hmm. she's going to use her tracker so that Ben can find them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they feel like they're in pretty good, pretty good spot at that point. Her tracker works. Uh, they found some cool stuff. So they're waiting for Uncle Ben to show up. 
And then a few minutes, a few minutes later, a few minutes later, they hear the sound of someone approaching, which of course they think is Uncle Ben, but it's mm-hmm. not. Who is it, George? It's Amir. It's Ahmed. 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 I'm Ahmed sorry. I apologize. And they're like, Ahmed, what are you doing here? And he's mm-hmm. like, What are you doing here? Yeah. This is my pyramid. What are you doing in my pyramid? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after his failed kidnapped attempt, you know, they didn't expect to see him again so soon. Yep. But Ahmed is um, acting kind of strange. He says that he tried to warn Ben about the curse. Mm-hmm. He's very obsessed with curses. He says that the curse must be carried out because the, the chamber has been violated. This is mm-hmm. the chamber of Priestess Kala, and it's been violated. Mm-hmm. And he needs to like help this curse be carried out. Mm-hmm. The kids are like, hey, calm down a second. It's not that big a deal. We didn't touch anything. Mm-hmm. And Ahmed is like, shut up. <laughs> yes. Essentially, yes. <laughs> He's like... There's a curse that needs to be enforced, and I'm going to carry this curse. I'm out. going to be carrying out the curse. There's still no sign of Uncle Ben, and so Sari is trying to stall Ahmed a little bit. And here comes a lot of exposition from Ahmed. Yeah. He's going to provide the, a lot of backstory here. Like like it has been happening a bunch of the books. At yep. the end, the bad guys just like to talk and talk and talk. Yep, and yep. this is it. So Ahmed says that um, he frightened the other workers who had to go to the hospital he frightened them to show Ben that the curse is real. Ahmed says that he was prepared to carry out Kala's wishes. He says he showed those other two um, what it would be like to be boiled alive in a tar pit. That's why they were like startled and shocked. They're so startled. Speechless. How do you startle someone so much that they can't talk? I mean, what what do you do? Um, so I don't really understand what he's talking about here, but he says he showed them what it would be like to be boiled alive in, in a tar pit. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? I, being bored alive in tar pit means... What does that mean to, sh- to show them what it would be like? I don't know. I was a little confused. I don't that. know. I mean, it's just... I mean, I guess you show them the tar pit. Show them... But the bottom line is that Ahmed is the mastermind behind all this. Yeah. He, yeah. He's got a plan, and he's carrying it out to um, unleash this curse, basically. And if it's an R.L. Stein book, he's probably wearing a heavy metal shirt of probably, some sort. Most likely. But Ahmed is really worked up at this point. He says that Kala decreed 4,000 years ago... The chamber would never be violated. It's the responsibility of the descendants of Kala to make sure that the curse is enforced. Mm-hmm. And I guess Ahmed is a descendant of Kala, and he feels a sense of responsibility to carry out the curse. So he said, you know, I came here to chew bubblegum and carry out curses, and I'm oh, all about bubble bubblegum. Exactly. <laughs> um, Ahmed had only volunteered to work for Ben so that he could be in the pyramid to, like, sabotage the expedition mm-hmm. and make sure that the pyramid wasn't violated. He was planning on kidnapping the kids and holding them until Ben canceled the project. Mm-hmm. And he says, now I'm going to carry out the curse. Mm-hmm. Like, look around you. Look, These are all people who have violated the priestess chambers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so all of the people, apparently, who entered the chambers were mummified alive. Mm-hmm. All the mummies mm-hmm. that uh, gave it stumbled upon in the chamber are people who had violated the pyramid in the past. Oh, yeah, at some point between that current time... And in the past, so... So Ahmed's going to mummify the kids. That's his plan. That is his uh, And Sari's goal. like, hey, that's mean. Mm-hmm. And Ahmed is like, well, it's the will of Kala. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what... That's what you get for violating the pyramid. Yeah. The kids don't have much of a plan. Gabe thinks that they should probably run, but they aren't really making a move. No. Ahmed says that he saw Sari before when she climbed into the sar- sarcophagus to scare Gabe. Mm-hmm. And that's when he really decided that he was going to kill him. Yeah, he that was, was kind that, of the final straw for him. I mean, that was disrespectful on her part, though. I yeah. Mean. So, yeah, Ahmed takes this stuff very very seriously, and so he's planning on killing these children. Um, and just when he's kind of approaching them with a big knife, a rope ladder drops down through the hole that Gabe fell through, and it's mm-hmm. Ben. Mm-hmm. And he yells down to them, and he starts climbing down, mm-hmm. and he sees Ahmed and asks him what he's doing, 
And Ahmed says that he's carrying out Kyle's wishes. And he's pretty, pretty straightforward about it, pretty calm about it. Yeah, he has his Pretty matter-of-fact about it. He has his um, torch and things like that. So at this point, I think uh, Ben tries to reason with Ahmed, saying, hey, we're both scientists, we're men of science, yeah. and things like that. So um, why don't we uh, get out of let's here just, and just, talk just, about let's this. just talk about this. Let's just, just go somewhere outside of this uh, pyramid, That's and right. just, let's just uh, have a little chat, exactly. a little talk. But, but Sari tells her dad, Ben... Uh, that Ahmed is going to kill them and turn them into mummies. Mm-hmm. And Ben is like, Ahmed, is that true? <laughs> are you, you going to kill my, and my Ahmed's like, yeah, nephew and yeah, a daughter? Yeah, that's pretty much like, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly what I was going to do. I was planning to kill them. You got me. And again, Ben continues to try to calm Ahmed down, saying, hey, let's mm-hmm. talk about this. You don't want to mummy these kids. You don't want to turn these kids into don't mummies. Mummy these let's kids. talk about this. They're not good for mummying. Uh, but Ahmed is pretty insistent that it's important to him to carry out the curse. Mm-hmm, and Ben mm-hmm. is like, hey, maybe the curse has expired. It's a pretty old <laughs> curse. It was placed 4,000 years ago. Maybe we can just let this go. Yeah, just let it go. And Ahmed responds by... Bashing his skull with... Bashing his skull in. With the... Sw- um, swinging uh, a heavy torch. His uh, torch that he had. Yeah. So. And knocks Ben unconscious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Gabe is like, I guess we're doomed. <laughs> we're yes. Gonna, we're going to be mummies now. Yep. Ahmed flings the torch into the tar pit, which mm-hmm. then catches on fire. And mm-hmm. apparently he's trying to boil the tar, which is part of the mummy process, I guess. We have to wait for the tar to boil. Yeah. Got to wait for it to boil. So while we, while the, I'm going to take your uncle. He takes the uncle, right? Uncle Ben. Yep. Pulls him into one of the, I think at this point they first say sarcophagus, they right? Do. Yeah. Instead of calling him mummy case. That's right. Like, you know, we're four years old. Right. Um, Pops him in there. A little trickle of blood is leaving his uh, skull, yep. where he was bashed with the um, torch. That's right. Then takes the two kids and tells them to get into another mummy case, as he puts it, yep. and uh, just kind of threatens them. Just because, yeah. get in. Get in. And Go Gabe, ahead. Get Gabe, in. Gabe is like, I'd rather not. Yeah. And Ahmed insists, and then Sari climbs in. She goes in first. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gabe is trying to think of something clever to do to get out of the situation, but mm-hmm. he's got nothing. He's so not he, very smart. He climbs in also. Yeah. So they're in the sarcophagus together. There are bugs in there. There are bugs. It's dark. It's uh, actually a, a pretty big sarcophagus, but they still feel kind of confined in there. Well, I mean, this. I mean, it's pretty roomy. They could both lay out and just have enough space to not touch each other. So that, I mean, as far as sarcophagi go, that's, that's very pretty roomy, roomy and spacious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Sari tells Gabe that she's scared, which actually makes Gabe laugh, which seems very inappropriate. Well, I mean, he's just been waiting this entire time to get yeah. one up on Sari. So. This is all Gabe has really ever wanted in life. So yeah. he savors the moment. He really enjoys that. Mm-hmm. But then he and Sari are like, I guess this is the end. I guess we're, I guess we're dead. Mm-hmm. And Gabe says, maybe something will happen, which sounds ridiculous, but maybe he's familiar with the tropes. Yeah, he's, he knows the tropes. He knows the tropes. He knows the tropes. He's he like, both of us are 12 years old. None of our parents are here. You know, so we're in yeah. a mummy case. They're trapped in the case, mm-hmm. the mummy case, and nothing's really happening. And then they hear a sound inside the sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. Again, very big sarcophagus. But they're like, what else is in here with us? There's something in here with us. Mm-hmm. And who is it, George? It is Uncle Ben. It's Uncle Ben. He escaped through the escape hatch in his own mummy case that mm-hmm. he was in. And he climbed into the other mummy case. Because we all know that um, sarcophagi had trap doors in them so that the souls could leave. That's what we all know. That's what we all know. At least that's what Arl Stein is telling us. Yeah. So, so then they're all together. They say, we got to make a break for it. We're going to mm-hmm. leave the sarcophagus together through the escape hatch. Mm-hmm. And Ben says that when he was out transferring, when he was out there transferring from one sarcophagus to the other, he noticed that Ahmed had disappeared, mm-hmm. possibly to prepare to make mummies, or maybe he's just waiting for the tar to boil. Mm-hmm. But he's like, "This is our chance. Mm-hmm. Ahmed's not there. Let's make a break for it." I mean, you know, you never watch um, 
a tar, uh, pop tar boil. Uh, a watch tar never boils. <laughs> everybody knows right. that. It's the old saying. It's the everybody knows that. That old saying has been in place for thousands of years. Thousands of years. Since the pyramid times. <laughs> yes. So they make a break for it. And just when they get to the tunnel, Ahmed's back. And Ahmed is mad. And he says that there's no escape. And he's going to kill them in the tar pit mm-hmm. instead of turning them into mummies. So actually, Ahmed's, he's changing his plan a little bit. He's going to make them jump one by one into the tar pit. Or he's just going to push them. And what's his name? Greg? Gary? What's the, what's the main character's Gabe? name? Gabe. <laughs> Gabe is relieved. He's like, oh, I'm glad I'm not going to be made a mummy. Yeah. He's like, and that's like. I, I, he's just a dumb kid, really. He's a pretty dumb kid. So he's, yeah, he's kind of accepting his fate, I guess. And he's kind of just hanging around. He sticks his hands into his pockets and he finds the mummy hand, his lucky charm. His lucky from charm, earlier. yeah. So, so they're at the edge of the tar pit. Yep. And, um, you know, uh, Ahmed is uh, saying, okay, go ahead, jump in one by one. Which, again, there are three of them and there's one of him. Yeah. He's Only got a he, knife. He has one knife. Yeah. You can't stab more than one person at a time yeah. with a single knife. Someone needs to take the knife for the team I and had, hold it in their ribcage. And it should probably be the dad. Probably. <laughs> well, he didn't do too well early on. He got he got decked with just one swing yeah. of the torch. So Yeah, but the at the very least, Uncle Ben should have made him. Uncle move, Ben right? should have tackled him. Yeah. Should have tackled him and let the kids get out. But instead, he's waiting for his daughter to make a move. Like, that's not going to happen. He's not it's just dumb. It's not good. So Gabe, he finds this mummy hand that he has that he's always carrying around with him. Mm-hmm. And he raises it into the air in the direction of Ahmed. And he's not even exactly sure why, but he doesn't have any other ideas. So he holds up a mummy hand. Well, when if at the beginning of the book, when he bought this mummy hand mm-hmm. for $2, mm-hmm. the stick at the, at the um, garage sale said that it was... Um, Oh, it's a summoner hand. It can summon evil spirits. Right. So he says, hey, let me try this out. Worst case scenario, nothing happens. I get thrown in tar. Best case scenario, Some, something happens. happens. Yeah. 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 So Ahmed sees it, and he's like immediately stunned. Like He's speechless. He's like, oh, my God. It's the hand of the priestess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then all of the mummies in the chamber start coming to life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, all get, alive. they all get up, and they start moving towards Ahmed. And he throws the torch at one of them, and it catches fire, but it keeps moving towards towards mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And Ahmed tries to run, but the flaming mummy grabs him and lifts him <laughs> up. And all the mummies grab Ahmed, and they're all holding him over the flaming tar pit. Mm-hmm. And then Gabe closes his eyes for a moment, and when he opens his eyes, Ahmed is running out through the tunnel. Now, this what? seems... What? I don't know. What? 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 I don't know. Like, I... It seems like either... The mummies had him. They, they had, had him. Ahmed. They had him. They should have just, you know, spiked him into the uh, flaming tar. It seems like Arl Stein just backed out of this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this one, I was like, all right, finally, we're going to get to see... Something. So proper com- comeuppance, you know? Yeah. yeah, that was pretty weak. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty lame. So Ahmed runs away. Gabe lowers the mummy hand, and all of the mummies return to their previous position. And he's kind of like, what just happened? Instantly. Yeah. Instantly. And for a moment, he's like, did we just imagine all that? Did that really happen? But they're like, no, it, it must have happened. I, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that's that. They go back to the hotel, and they talk about the mummy hand and everything that happened. The next morning, after breakfast, Gabe takes out the hand again and says, um, he says out loud, I summon the ancient spirits to come alive. And Sari is like, hey, stop. You probably shouldn't mess around with that. But Gabe says it a few more times just to mess with her. And then they hear a knock at the door. And some scratching and rattling of the doorknob, and the door opens, and it's Gabe's mom and dad. They're mm-hmm. back, and they're happy. Yep. All right. That's it. That's the That's curse end. of the yeah. uh, mummy's tomb. 
again, just a few more extra notes. Uh, the name is make is um, sort of an allusion to the old, uh, I think, 1970-something movie, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Oh, there's a movie. With there's the a, name? Yeah, I think so. I right. think it's basically ripping it off directly. Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, uh, 1964, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Um, I don't know why R.L. Stein was, in, was in sued for that, uh, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that. Yeah, uh, they had again differences internationally. Uh, goosebumps from around the world. So in Portugal, this was the sixteenth goosebumps uh, in the original series. Which okay. I guess so. I'd, I'd put it lower in the series if I could. Um, the international releases, again, more of the same. Uh, this one here is just very goofy. Uh huh. Here. Uh, this is, I think, one of the French releases. It just has a sarcophagus with a little skeleton George, and bandages. All we want to hear about is the Dutch version. They don't have any what? news from the Dutch version. Is there not a Dutch version of this one? I, there probably is a Dutch version, but they probably didn't do anything because this seems like uh, it's probably too lame for the Dutch to care. Wow, that's disappointing. I mean, I would think that um, in the Dutch version or international versions that they probably just dunked that guy in the flaming tar. I hope so. Yeah, that's my biggest, probably single biggest issue with this book is we don't know what happened to Ahmed. The mm-hmm. mummies should have just killed him. I thought it was pretty weak. Yeah. Um, but a couple other questions, George. Where did the mummy hand come from exactly? So we got it from a garage sale. Right. And I wrote down in my notes, in my extensive page of wow. notes, uh, Deus Ex Keychain, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, it's a situation where he just happened to have this on his keychain and it happened to be the exact thing that they that's needed. Perfect, yeah. Now... How did they get to the garage sale? Was and knows. first of all, was it the hand of like the priestess who was buried there? Now here's what I'm also thinking. Now, if this was a better written book, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Alstom, I'm calling you out on this one. If this was a better written book, it would talk about the fact that they're in a enclosed area with burning tar. They're all inhaling these vapors. I was thinking about that a little bit, which might have some hallucinogenic properties. I so, love where you're going with this, George. So basically, they probably all just, the guy probably freaked out when he saw the mummy's hand, and they all had like a mass hallucination That's fantastic. that something was happening. Yeah. You know? And then I love that would explain why everybody just ran away. Yeah. You know, he probably just had a plastic thing, but, you know, they talked about how the chamber smelled of old dinginess, how they was small and trapped and damp and stuff like that, yep. you know? Anything else? I mean, I love it. I like this interpretation. A lot, and mm-hmm. this makes me like the book a lot more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess we don't really know the origins of the priestess hand, but mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. Um, and then more, I want to talk a little bit more about the process of like disturbing ancient artifacts and when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate from, um, from both like kind of an archaeological point of view, but also like a, a respect for you know your history point of view. Well, again... It, How do you feel about what actually went down in this book, George? Well, what went down in this book is... I don't know. Again, it's a situation where outsiders coming in, disturbing artifacts and stuff like that. Again, they could be justified to be angry at outsiders, but a situation where he probably shouldn't have brought his untrained kids into there Definitely. just because he didn't have any place else to put them. Yeah. Like, they don't need to be in there. Um 
there are other issues at play here, uh, sort of sort of moles that would grow in, in confined areas that could actually give them uh, lifelong lung problems, yeah. um, different scarring of the lungs and tissues like that, different infections and things that just are from these damp enclosed areas that children don't need to be in. This is 1992. They know enough to not be doing this, you know? Yeah. I mean, if it was in the U.S., maybe there'd be more like OSHA supervision or something, but well, I guess the U.S., so. anything goes. Well, I guess so. Yeah. You know, but um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's a good point. Um, I think that it's not the best constructed story and probably in my mind, my least favorite of the five that we've read so far. Yeah, mine yeah. too. Mine too. I think, um, I think the next story is actually much better. Okay. What's, the next what's story the next is Let's Get Invisible. Fantastic. Let's Get Invisible. This was, I think, a much better story. I think they also did a very good um, uh, take of this in something like um, the live action. One of this was on on par. Okay. On, good. on, on theme. And the um, I think there was an a, um, Are You Free of the Dark? Yep. That was similar to this as well. Awesome. But Let's Get Invisible. That is That came out in March of 1993. Okay. That will be in our next podcast. We have to decide if we're going to do a Fear Street before we do another Goosebumps. That's one. true. Yeah. So what would the Fear Street be? I don't know. I think we we don't necessarily, in my opinion, have to start from the beginning for that one. I think we should just pick one either at random or pick one that we that is thought of as like a classic and just do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then we'll get back to the I like the, I like the idea of going in order. I know that All they're right. not connected. How, how many are there? I don't know. There's Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Fear Street's. Uh, All right, well, we'll do book one. We'll do book one of Fear Street. Fantastic. We'll, we'll surprise our listeners to which book that will be, yep. and we'll get into that Good. then. Overall, hot takes on this book. Sucked. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. This was 81 pages of um, sort of lackluster writing. Yep. Um, on to the next one. Lackluster themes, lackluster writing. Lame. Um, a few of the R.L. Stein tropes, you know, the yep. kids in the 11 to 12 range, Yeah. you know. He checked the Back boxes, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. But um, hopefully next week when we do our Fear Street, we'll be able to see a new side of Mr. Uh, Stein. Looking forward to it. And see what he does when uh, he has a little bit more leeway for older audiences. Yeah, for children good. older than 12, I like it. 13. All right. Any other final thoughts, George? Um, are we done? I don't think we have any more final thoughts. I think we are out. Let's wrap and, it up. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to this on however you're watching. Maybe this not this or episode, to it. but... The other ones. <laughs> well, like and subscribe this one. Tell us what we could have done better. Tell us yeah. why this is your favorite book. You know, we would love to hear your input. Mm-hmm. Um, like and subscribe. Share with your friends. Share with your enemies. Um, you know, and we'll catch you next time. Sounds good. All right. We're out. And we're out. Bye-bye. Peace.